Back in September of 2017, the news from Puerto Rico sounded like this. Hurricane Maria slamming into the island, and as you heard, one official saying the island is destroyed. 150 mile an hour winds ripping buildings apart, knocking out power everywhere. All of the electricity is out tonight. 1,500 miles away, sitting in front of his television in Washington, D.C., was world-renowned chef Jose Andres. But instead of just tweeting out his concern, he decided to jump on a plane and be one of the first people to arrive on the island to help. And we're going to make 10,000 meals a day. And we're going to keep feeding this area every day for the next week or two until the need goes down. This is Tell Me More, the Tufts University podcast where we catch up with our favorite guest speakers on campus. I'm Julie Flaherty. Today, Jose Andres is talking with Alan Solomon, Dean of Tisch College of Civic Life, about his career as a chef and as a boots-on-the-ground humanitarian. Tell us a little bit about your story. You came to the United States with just a few dollars in your pocket. You became a Michelin star chef, uh, a James Beard award-winning chef. Uh, you were named one of the 100 most influential people by Time Magazine. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, your, your company... I cannot even create the menu in my house without everybody disagreeing with me on what we should eat. So, so, <laughs> so tell, tell us your story. So my story is like the story of one more immigrant. Uh, to a degree, I believe we are all immigrants in more ways than we think. I was born in North Spain, Asturias. And very quickly, when I was five, my father and mother moved to Barcelona. Right there, I was already an immigrant. Because while Spain is a very small country, every single place, every single region has different customs, different ways to talk, to eat, different foods. And so I grew up, again, in a foreign land that welcomed my family and me, my mother, my father, they were nurses. And I had a good, great childhood. My father always cooking on the weekends, my mother more or less during the week, when going to a restaurant was a luxury. For me, cooking at home was just a blast. Every time, feeling, helping my mother and my father peel peppers after my mother roast them, going to the market, say, hey, go for one more bread loaf, uh, and getting on the bike and going for the bread. Um, that was, for me, fascinating moments, and probably the moment that the seed of love for food was planted. Where I tell the story often about my father always putting me in charge of making the fire on the weekends, make this big paella, but he never let me do the cooking. One day I got very upset after many years of only doing the fire, going to the forest, gathering the wood, and my father very much uh, told me, if you're going to get upset, go away. I'll finish the paella on my own. We'll talk later. My father grabbed me on the side after he fed all his friends and family members. And my father told me something like really didn't sink in until probably many years later. But he said very much that, yes, I wanted to do the cooking, but that he needed me to do the fire. That controlling the fire and tending that fire was what really was important. In that moment, he told me, my son, if you control the fire, then you can do any cooking you want. For a chef later on in life, of sure, this is a very practical lesson. But that lesson very much, I've been taking that with me to every part of my life. Let's learn what our fire is. Let's try to control it. 
and then, only then, we can do any cooking we want. Andres started culinary school at 15 and was still a teen when he went to work for legendary chef Farron Adria. He then joined the Spanish Navy as a cook and sailed around the world, eventually settling in the U.S., cooking in fine restaurants in New York, Puerto Rico, and Washington, D.C. And maybe 18 years later, you were cooking for King Juan Carlos and President Obama at the White House. Yep. Yep, that was... Uh... That, that, that's these kind of things. Um, I mean, you know, the, the king is a great guy, he's a great person, um, President Obama too, and I mean, they give you those opportunities sometimes. They didn't even call me, I called them. So, I mean, you know what I learned in life? That um, if somebody don't call you, you, the only thing you have to do is knock on the door, and I'm a good door knocker. <laughs> and if they don't open the door, you say, go through the window. Um, <laughs> And so I knew who was coming, and I called the White House because that was a very small uh, lunch, as you know. And I'm like, guys, I want to go and cook. And they say, but Jose, the menu is already decided. I say, I don't care. I want to go and cook. And, and anyway, I was so persistent that I said, we don't want to have more of one headache. Yes, you come and do whatever you want. Those are the ingredients. And it was great. It was, it was just good to be there when the king of the country I come from was having lunch with the president of the country I belong, and these are things that sometimes you celebrate, and for me it was very special, obviously, to be uh, there that day. If you've ever been to a tapas restaurant, then you have Jose Andres to thank. He made small dish dining popular in the United States through his restaurants like Haleo in Washington, D.C. You, you know who was the first person that I served in Haleo the first weekend we opened, 1993? Is this guy with these jeans, halfway broken, Tall guy, beautiful blue eyes, little hair, beautiful round glasses, tall, skinny like hell, happy. happy I remember when I was there. Happy face. Uh, and he began telling me about Franco and Mao Zedong, and, and I'm like, man, this guy is really crazy. If every customer we get is like him, we're broke. <laughs> it took me like two weeks to find out he was Senator Patrick Moynihan. Um, <laughs> was amazing because the things I learned from him were forever changed me. He told me, Jose, it's very simple. When I was having conversations about how to fit in America, he said, if you love America, America will all, always love you back. And I follow his, his words too hard. As lovingly as Andres talks about food, he is just as passionate when he discusses his adoptive country. He became a naturalized U.S. citizen in 2013 and often speaks out about the plight of undocumented immigrants. Because sometimes being American or belonging to a country is not by the passport you own, but by the heart you put in the every day in your community. That's what makes a person belong to a place. And those people, they are ghosts in our own community. Our senators and congressmen today are being fed on the shoulders of 11 million undocumented, underpaid, sometimes mistreated, etc., etc. We have to put an end to that and So as you see, so food is immigration reform. As an advocate for food justice, Andres had plenty to say about new federal rules that would remove 700,000 people from nutrition assistance. In the first hand, I wish we didn't have to give anybody food stamps. I wish that everybody would be making 
a good living wage, that we'll have a job that people on their own can provide for themselves. We forget that people don't want our pity. People want our respect. The way to give respect to people is making sure that we create the framework that they can be providing for themselves. Food stamps, we understand why they are there. It's people, it's men, especially women, single mothers, that even working in one, two jobs, they get at the end of the month and they cannot make ends meet. That's why to take away food stamps from 700,000 recipients, it's so unfair to the principle of we the people. We the people is in the Constitution to say, we the people, all the people. We when we do well and we when we don't do so well. To take away 700,000 people, food stamps is the most un-American thing that anybody can ever do. Andres has found fame as the culinary mind behind several acclaimed restaurants, but he is just as well known as the founder of World Central Kitchen, a nonprofit that has served more than 10 million meals to the victims of hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters throughout the world, including Puerto Rico. When Maria happened, what we saw was entire island, uh, a part of America and the Caribbean, 3.7 million people with no water, no light, no electricity, no food, a port that was non-functional, hospitals with no generators, uh, um, doctors operating um, with iPhones, um, chaos as you can understand chaos. And food was broken because the systems of distribution was broken. When everybody was trying to bring food from overseas, what we did, you know what was? Very simple, we're cooks, we know how to gather helpers, we know where to find kitchens, and more important, we always know where to find food. That's the only thing we did. We very much stole four generators. We were able to give it to the four big bread factories, and in 24 hours, we were making bread in Puerto Rico. Um, things like that began showing us simple solutions. We went from one kitchen to 26, from 20 friends, to 25,000 volunteers, from 1,000 meals the first day to more than 150,000 meals a day. We reached almost 4 million meals in a month and a half, and at the end what we did was not only take care of hospitals, of elderly, of forgotten places all across the island, at the end what we did is plant the seed and also to show others that what they had to do was to do what we were doing, boots on the ground, stop talking, stop planning, and start cooking. In the process, the plan shows up. In the process, we are able to make almost the impossible possible. Besides Puerto Rico, the World Central Kitchen Relief Team has responded to emergencies in more than two dozen places, including Haiti, Peru, Indonesia, and Mozambique. Although the details change, they always use local chefs and resources to quickly get fresh meals to those in need. I'm so proud that today we have these men and women that use, when something happens, we get in a plane, we land, and use one plate of food at a time, we start building a better tomorrow. Those men and women, to me, those are really my family, and those are my heroes, and those are the ones doing it, not me. Every one of us 
we can do something. You don't need to go and feed four million people in Puerto Rico. I didn't wake up in the morning and told myself, today I'm going to feed four million people. It doesn't behave that way. But you have to have is the spirit inside you to stop talking and start doing. And how do you find time to run 30 restaurants? I, I don't really run them. Uh, they're highly mismanaged probably by now. Uh, you know, I, I always, I am good at putting teams uh, in place. Um, uh, that's my only talent, maybe. <laughs> and, and I do it really for self-egocentric interest. So if I hire somebody who's better than me, I look good because whatever is happening happens and happens better than if I did it. So I'm very smart on that front. What aspects of traditional Spanish cooking go into the creation of an original Jose Andres dish? It's something difficult to explain when I smell the Finnish fabada asturiana, this amazing pot stew with blood sausage and chorizo and bacon, or the arroz con leche, that amazing dense milk, sugar, cinnamon, and rice dessert. And when I close the eyes and those smells come through my nose and it's something like is planted in our DNA to the connection of where we are and where we come from. So I will not tell you so much ingredients, but it's that kind of feeling that is almost impossible to explain because it's not a tangible, it's an intangible. And I do believe we all have this connection. And if we are really able to think and listen and smell, we will all somehow be connected to that early childhood of ours, almost from the moment our mother fed us for first time. And this is the feeling I have when I go to Spain. So it's like a sensation, it's a feeling difficult to explain with words. But when I go, it's like something goes down my spine that you, and yeah, that's what makes me overweight. Because my animal side cannot control himself. But, uh, but obviously Spain, you know, is olive oil, Spain is pimenton, smoke, Spain is, is baby lamb, Spain is Iberico ham. Spain is the smell of the ocean in a beautiful morning where the waves are hitting the rocks and bringing the seaweed. And, um, Spain is the, 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 the deep aromas of sherry, cask. Um, Spain is that um, getting deep in the, in the cheese cave in deep in the mountains uh, where, where the penicillium can behave and be free and create that amazing cabrales, blue cheese. Spain is all those things, but so, uh, so is everywhere else, right? Uh, today I got, I got the New England clam chowder and, and I love clams and I, I fall in love with New England clam chowder. And first time I came to Boston to cook with what chef Ken Oringer, one of my favorite men in the whole world uh, at Clio, and the dish I made at Cleo was New England clam chowder Jose's way. And I, <laughs> and I know some people there were bitching, oh, what the heck? 
like, what, where, they were saying, where is the clam chowder? What? I'm like, what, that's my what, interpretation. What's Jose's you way know? of clam chowder? Um, it's amazing. The clams are raw. So we get, we get the water, we gelatinize the clam with the own water. We make this amazing bacon cream. We make this onion puree. We make this amazing espuma of foam of uh, potato puree. We do these renoirs of potatoes and we fry them and we make them very crispy. We make this chive oil. I mean, guys, at the end, when you close your eyes, yeah. Yeah. That's Jose Andres visiting Tufts University as part of the Tisch College Distinguished Speakers Series. Tell Me More is produced by Anna Miller and Julie Flaherty. Web production and editing support by Taylor McNeil and Sarah Norberg. Our music is by Dwolf Music and Blue Dot Sessions. And as we start our second season of Tell Me More, we'd love to hear what you think. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Or shoot us an email at tellmemore at tufts.edu. That's T-U-F-T-S dot E-D-U. Thanks for listening. <laughs>